We're racing with uh, Matt Nevitt and Sean Cosgrove, our Wednesday profile this week. Speaking to a lady who's uh, had enormous success as a greyhound trainer and her family also as a, as a breeder. I don't think she'll mind that we have to go to the Meadows for race two in a couple of minutes. It's Angela Langton joining us now. How are you, Angela? I'm very well, thanks. How are you guys? We're That's fighting good. fit. It's an exciting time of the year. Melbourne Cup, Phoenix, the whole lot. Did you ever think you'd see a race like the Phoenix? A million dollars? No, probably not. I, probably, I guess I never think of things like that. But, um, no, what a wonderful concept it's been, and it's fantastic that there's so much money now in greyhound racing. It From the days when you were galloping greyhounds around velodromes, it's just gone on, hasn't it? Unbelievable. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's just gone ahead in leaps and bounds, and, you know, it's a fantastic sport to get into. And, you know, people that people that do really well probably work very hard look most people work very hard in the greyhound industry and it's really good that they're actually getting rewarded with you know races such as those races and what a great race to aim for you know to make it into one of those sort of races is you know i'm sure a dream come true for anybody chatting with angela Langton and angela looking back at your career in the greyhounds how many generations back uh, have greyhound uh, have greyhounds been involved in your family i know you, your mum does it go back further than that yeah, it does. Um, we got into it through Mum's uncles, who was a breeder and trainer up in Air in North Queensland. He was a very good trainer up there. And I guess my early memories of the greyhounds was he brought two greyhounds down to race. I think, um, or well, one he bought, I think, out of a, a Sydney paper many you know years ago, and he reared it up and. He brought her down to the Gabba to race back when the Gabba was racing. And all I can remember is I was probably a young teenager and mum and my grandma went to the Gabba to watch her run. And I can remember they had a lot of bookies there. And all I can remember is mum coming home that night. And, you know, she coming down from air, I guess she was huge odds. And, and I can remember um, mum's uncle Peter, he gave grandma and my stepdad and my mum, you know, all money to go and put on the bookies all at the same time so the price didn't drop and they all hit the bookies at the same time. And I remember my mum coming home from Brisbane that night and they were sitting on the bed looking at all this cash and I think she'd never seen so much money in her whole life. So I think that was uh, probably the first memory of greyhound racing for us. And um, then the mum's uncle had bred a couple of very smart pups and they were too good to race up in North Queensland and... I think he ended up selling them to Mum. That was when the Toowoomba track first opened because we were from Toowoomba. And we raced them there. And um, one of the local vets that lived just outside Toowoomba trained for us. And, you know, they made group races. I remember racing at Launton in the Launton Cup. I think one of them runs second in the Launton Cup. And they ended up being very good good young dogs for us. And I think things just went on from there. Now, the Gabba, for people who aren't aware, the Greyhound track used to be around the outside of, like, the Oval, the footy Oval, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was called the Gabba. So I think they played cricket there as well yeah. from memory. So and then it changed then to Albion Park. But yeah, that was many years ago. That was the city racing up in Brisbane. Now, Angela, when you said Toowoomba, I nearly fell over. That's my hometown. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah, I mine too. So. You, I, yeah, that's where I'm from. If I'd known, I would have come around throwing rubbish in your front yard and then bolted. But <laughs> <laughs> I I used to call the races there the Gallopers and the Trots. When they had the trots back at the showgrounds, it was only after I left and came to Melbourne that the greyhounds started. Yeah, well, it was a beautiful track there, and mm. it was at the showgrounds, and I don't know why it closed down eventually. Maybe it was too hard with the showground people and trying to work out, you know, when they were racing, but it was a magnificent track, and, you know, we had a lot of success there. We had a greyhound of the year there that we trained ourselves. We only trained from a, a house block. We were on a quarter of an acre in Toowoomba, and, you know, we, re- we started out rearing a couple of little pups that mum had purchased and we read them in the backyard but we used to run them every day in a velodrome and 
you know, I was going through probably high school and then university by that stage. And, you know, we used to drive down the, ra- the range um, probably half an hour away, 40 minutes away to, you know, one of the top trainers there who's um, pretty famous up there, Peter Denaro, and he sort of started us teaching us what to do, how to rear and how to train. And I used to travel down there when I got my licence and we'd take the two dogs down to run them up a straight. And, you know, he had magnificent rearing yards and they all ran out into a dam. And he had a Melbourne... I think he was the only Queensland person at the time that trained a Queensland dog to win the Melbourne Cup, which was Rustic Venture. So we uh, purchased a a beautiful brood from him. She was 12 months old and... She was Royal Rumpus Rustic Venture, and both of them had won the Melbourne Cup. And he, she hurt herself at the breaking in stage. So Mum purchased her for breeding because Mum's always been very into the breeding side of things. And uh, from there, look, we just we were very fortunate. We bred group winner after group winner, which was um, yeah amazing. We probably didn't realise at the time what we had. Uh, we sold a very good one to Sydney early days, um, and then we bought a couple of pups that ended up being very good down in Victoria. Star Beyond Time was one of them. Um, Return the King, we had some really top dogs, you know, with some great trainers down here. And yeah, we were very fortunate. We've always been fortunate to, you know, probably snag a group group dog here and there. And mum bred Kesara who was probably one of our our start of, you know, everything that just kept continuing on. But mum's, mum's the brains behind the breeding. She always yeah. studies the breeding. She's always studied what, what Paul Wheeler went to with his broods and... You know, there's a lot of thought process goes behind it and there's probably a lot of a lot of stress and late nights goes behind whether we've done the right thing going to a certain sire. But at the end of the day, you can only do your best. You can only feed your pups the best and give them plenty of galloping and, and, and hope for the best at the end of the day. It's almost like breeding's like mixing two chemicals in a science lab in the dark. You'll either get rotten egg gas or beautiful perfume, won't you? <laughs> One or the other. Yeah, for sure. And look, I think... Um, I think there's a place for most dogs to race. It may not be, you know, your stand down in Melbourne class sometimes, but there's always somewhere they can race. And I think half the thing is you've got to work out what suits the dog best and where to place them best. That's the big thing with greyhounds, I think. So, not Angel, everyone suits every track. When did you move to Victoria? I moved to Victoria 17 years ago. I met Jeff. Jeff trained a greyhound for a wizard's chest that won the Meadows Greyhound of the Year. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I came down for the presentation and met Jeff there and um, funnily enough was probably love at first sight. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I, I guess I came backwards and forwards through the first six months, um, travelled down here on when I had long service leave because my permanent job at that stage, um, I'm a scientist, so I diagnosed cancer and I worked at Queensland Medical Laboratory on the Sunshine Coast and I used to travel to watch my dogs race in Brisbane and on the Gold Coast. I had a trainer down in Brisbane because once I moved away from home, it was too hard for mum who worked night shifts and, you know, different shifts to be able to train from home. So we then had a trainer and we still continued to breed and we just paid to have our dogs red. And I used to travel to the Gold Coast and to Brisbane to help handle because I loved handling the dogs. And, yeah, met Jeff and moved down here. And um, from there we sort of, yeah, moved in together and and the rest is history, basically, of, started to breed a lot more and probably overtaken over Jeff's home, I would say, <laughs> with all my dogs that I've bred and my pups. But I love it. And, we, you know, we've got eight staff that are here with us and, look, they're terrific staff. We've had them for a long time. They're all young and they love the dogs and they do a great job, all of them. And we couldn't have done it all without their help because they're a big part of it, you know, checking on the pups and making sure everyone's healthy and no one's sick and, you know, working them properly, running them and just feeding them well. So, 
you know, we've been very lucky. We've got great staff and we've done really well over the years with the dogs we've reared. Angela, with your science background, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's obviously something that's quite significant. Has that ever come in handy with you with treatment of injuries with greyhounds? Because obviously you're very good at biology. I know dogs and yeah. humans are different, but uh, the muscle men work the dogs. And so has that come in handy for you? Um, probably more um, things, probably more illnesses and things. I guess we probably pick up if something's not quite right and it's ill. I suppose you, um, you know, you think a thing. I suppose you think about what they need if they're not well. You know, if they've got a fever, what to do, all that sort of stuff. My medical background is I also work in theatre, so I guess all that sort of comes into play when you've got something that's unwell. I'm not so much of a. I mean, I can watch a dog run up the straight and tell if it's injured, but Jeff. Jeff's the brains behind checking the dogs. He's very good with feeling injuries or very slight injuries with muscles or even slight hairlines. He gets a pretty good idea if he thinks something's got a hairline fracture, say, in a hock. He's very experienced and, um, and that's his main thing. He gets over the dogs constantly and massages them constantly. I, I probably run more of the business, I guess, um, running, you know, staff and wages. And, and I love my pups and the breeding side of things as well, not... You know, I love to go to the track. I love to catch up with other trainers. You know, it's a fantastic family, the Greyhound Racing family. And, you know, it's great to go out to a race meeting and, you know, have a glass of wine and have a meal with people and mm. catch up with people. There's a lot of great people in Greyhound Racing. So it's a very enjoyable sport, even though it's a lot of hard work. It's, um, you know, the rewards are fantastic. And, it's, and it is a great sport. And it's a great job to get into. How do you go about juggling being a greyhound trainer and also being a scientist because you've always had a lot of greyhounds in work and you mentioned the breeding stuff as well. That would, I've got no doubt, keep you quite busy. And being a scientist uh, on the side, it's quite a lot going on. How do you go about juggling it? Yeah, look, I have to say I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I work seven days <laughs> a week. I can tell. <laughs> um, I love both sides. I love my job. Look, I've done my job for 30 years. I've travelled overseas. I've, you know, I've done a lot of great things with the medical side of things. I work in theatre twice a week now, which is amazing. Um, but I do only work two and a half days now. I used to work full time. And then mm. when Nicholas came along, um, I decided only to go in, you know, 16 hours a week. So I, I love to go in because I like to keep my hand in. I like to keep my eye down the microscope because you're constantly learning. And, you know, things are different all the time. And I like to keep my eye in down the microscope. I don't want to lose that that uh, skill that I've got and I, I you know I'm very good at what I do so I actually really enjoy it so it is a break for me I go in there and I I guess I use my brains a lot in there I sit and think a lot and look down the microscope a lot it's my quiet time whereas at home when I come home the dogs are a great outlet because you know it's a physical more physical and you know you still you still got to think of things but it's a lot more physical and it gives me the best of both worlds I get that little bit of a break away from the dogs plus I get to come home and I enjoy you know, it's great to come home and you've got these beautiful animals you get to work with every day. And they, they love you unconditionally. They, they love to see you. You know, if you haven't seen them for a day because I've been off at work, you know, they jump all over you at night and, you know, they lick your hand when you go to let them out and they're just beautiful animals. So I'm really lucky. I feel I've got the best of both worlds. I know Jeff would like me to give up my, my work in the lab um, only because we've got a lot of dogs at home. But, you know what, it's my outlet and I guess I, I just love it and I've done it for so long but I don't want to lose that skill. Hmm. We're talking with Angela Langton. Angela, this is probably going to sound silly, but I reckon it's accurate. I think one is a release from the other. The greyhounds give oh, you a release sure. from, from the medicine sure. and vice versa. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes you can have a really hard day looking at the microscope and you have some very difficult cases or, you know, you see patients that aren't very well, which is the sad side of it. But you always hope that you can pick up, you know, a cancer very early on that they can get treated and, and that's our goal there, that we can pick things up early enough that, 
people can have a longevity of life and you know sometimes you come home and the dogs are an outlet and vice versa I love both of them so I'm very mm. very lucky now I've heard some creative ways of working greyhounds but getting them on a velodrome that's a beauty in Toowoomba when you yeah, work well, how did you work them there it, well that's just where we worked them because it was a big oval that was all enclosed with a fence so it was safe ah, you know right. we'd go in there and We'd let them run, and they'd run around, and, and that was their exercise, rather than, you know, just being in the backyard. They got a lot of galloping, and both of them, you know, made the track and were good. So they both raced, so it worked for us at the time, until we moved on to moving down and driving down to Peter's place at Cominia and running them up a straight. So it was good at the time. It worked, so... I'm, t- I'm tipping after being on the velodrome, they'd handle a turn, all right? Hey, Angela, I've got a question for you. It might be a tricky one to... Uh... To answer, what's the best greyhound that you've ever trained? You've got some, you've had some, some rippers. Western Envoy finished second in the Melbourne oh, Cup. George Ferruja yeah. said true detective. He's a little bit biased. And obviously you've got Mapunga Ruby at the moment, but you've had so many others. What's, what do you think's been the best? So it's fairly hard to put a, to put that title on anybody. They're all, they've all great in their own aspects. And like Western Envoy was just such a wonderful dog. I mean, We've been very fortunate. We've had some beautiful dogs here, and it probably is hard to say what would be the best. With um, just trying to think, even look, Hayton slowly. What a terrific little dog he was for us. I think he won nearly half a million dollars, and you know, I remember he was in an Australian Cup at two years of age. You know, he really hardly raced, and he ran second in an Australian Cup. And we just travelled everywhere with him. He, he just was always found, and he was just a beautiful dog as well. We've still got him here as a pet, but. We've had a lot of good dogs. We've had some fast dogs. We've had dogs that, you know, they're fast, but they don't get a longevity because they're just probably too fast that mm. they don't hold up and it's racing. But, yeah, it's hard to say. Kesara, I suppose, will always be somewhere in my heart. She was probably our first Group 1 winner when she won a Sapphire and, you know, she was a terrific little girl. So we've been very fortunate. We've had shared equity. I think she won 14 or she made 14 group races. She was a fantastic girl as well and has been a good she was the mother of Western Envoy so she's been good at stud as well so no I couldn't really label anybody as being the best in our kennels but look we've had plenty of really fast dogs and plenty of really good dogs we've been very lucky over the years Angela tell us a bit about Heath Sutton and his favourite greyhound Tyler Durden Tyler Durden yeah he was um yeah he's a lovely dog he had a few little niggly injuries towards the end but he's gone back to his breeder Brett Mackey and he's doing a terrific job with Tyler Durden Uh, I read him here he probably was the best one I had out of the four I had two little girls and two boys in that litter that Alan Lyde purchased and yeah he's a lovely dog Tyler Durden he seemed to go really well for females I remember our friend Tammy handled him I think in the heats of one of the group races that he made the final of, and so she handled him in the final. But he's a lovely dog, like like they all are. So. And young Heath, the uh, connections gave him a share in the dog because he loved him. Yeah, which was lovely. No, he's a lovely boy, Heath, and he's a beautiful dog, Tyler Durden. Tigger, his kennel name is because he was Brenda. We called him Tigger, but he was a he's a beautiful dog, and he's doing really well. So, but he's such a lovely boy. It's great to see young people getting into the industry and. He's got a real passion for the dog. Sounds like they're looking for lunch or something at the back, Andrew. They're, <laughs> they're, they're getting a bit hungry or something. <laughs> I guess being fed and they're lying out in the sun. <laughs> the dog, so oh, they, they sound happy. Uh, we mentioned earlier on to Brooke Ennis that she goes to the supermarket and looks like an addict when she wanders out with a whole trolley full of yogurt top muesli bars for the dogs. Okay. Okay. Yeah, at the Langdon Britain household, what's the treat for the dogs there? 
Yeah, well, well, I mainly mainly it's coals. We have uh, coals, mince. I feed coals, mince for the first three months of their life. So I usually have a trolley full of coals, mince, mm. and milk. So they always know. They think here comes the greyhound lady. <laughs> They often ask why I've got so much men. <laughs> so, geez, you've got a big family. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or well, I obviously like spaghetti bolognese an awful lot, I think. They must think. <laughs> but no, we are. Mince, the mince and milk are the main things I tend to buy from uh, the grocery shop with the pups for the first three months while they're little. I like to feed the coals mince. It's very fine and it's good mix of a uh, bit of fat and meat in it. So it's good quality. There you go on the record books. I think last year, Japara dead heating with Koblenz and the heat of the Melbourne Cup too. Yes, yeah, and I had another dog, Black Signature. I think he ran third in the Melbourne Cup the year before Western Envoy. So I've been fortunate to make three Melbourne Cups. I'd like to make a few more yet and hopefully go <laughs> a little bit closer to winning. Couldn't get much better than uh, beating feet in the head, but I'd like to go one better. Well, the longer you leave it, Angela, the prize money continues to go up. So <laughs> it'll be worth the wait when it eventually does happen. Angela Langton is with us. She's our Wednesday profile for... This week, uh, Angel, I wanted to ask you about your association with Barry Smith, obviously one of the, the all-time great breeders here in Victoria, and he's renowned for the Mapunga Greyhounds, the Greyhounds that you've had a lot of success uh, success with as well. Yeah, Jeff's been a long-time trainer for Barry. I think Jeff's dad, Alan, trained before him, um, and then Jeff started to take over Barry's dogs as Alan got a little bit older and slowed down or cut down his numbers, so... Um, look, Barry and Andrea are wonderful people. Barry, you couldn't get a better breeder and rarer than Barry. You know, he's got all the fresh meat and milk from the dairy cows down at Warnerville. It's a beautiful area to rear dogs in. Lovely green grass. But look, he's just a, you know, you couldn't get a better breeder. He's just bred some fantastic greyhounds over the years that, I, the years that I've known Jeff, let alone before I knew Jeff. So I think it's been going on for a long time and look, they still keep continuing to come through. We've got you know, what looks like we've got a pretty smart litter of Mapunga um, Rosie, Mapunga Cruiser that just gone off the troll today. But, you know, there's a couple of pretty smart ones in there too. So it just keeps going. And Barry's girls that he breeds that do make all these group races, they just seem to keep throwing and throwing. You know, Mapunga Molly, I know George has got, well, she's thrown quarter, who's starting to look really good in the staying races. And, you know, uh, Scott Law that's in Saturday night in the Silver Chief. So... The girls, you know, he keeps, he doesn't keep all of the girls because he obviously can't keep everyone that he's got, but he farms them out and he gets a couple of pups from each litter and he probably tries to keep the ones he feels are the better ones, but it just keeps going on and on. He just keeps breeding top dogs and it's fantastic. It's great to have someone that can, you know, breed those sort of calibre of dog and then pass them up to be trained because without people like him, you know, we wouldn't have those sort of dogs to train. So you need good people behind you and good breeders and good owners behind you because you're only as good as the dogs you've got in your kennel at the end of the day. It doesn't matter, you know, if you haven't got those quality of dogs, doesn't matter how good a trainer you are, you know, you've got to have those good dogs coming through all the time. Angela, with pups, and you've, you've read so many of them over the years, it's interesting. I reckon they're almost like kids, the greyhound pups. They're, they're beautiful. But how, how important is, like, a feeling of security and a routine for them, like babies need? Oh, for sure. I think even your adult dogs, they need routine and... You know, we've got the staff, we get in with them when we feed them and everything's handled, everything has its own dishes. You know, that's just, um, they need that routine. So everything's fed at the same time every day. Their, their exercise is all routine and they're let out at a certain time in the evening. And I think it's really important routine for greyhounds because, you know, they, and that security, they know what they're expected to do. They know when you walk into 
the races with a white, you know, into their kennel with a white shirt on and black pants. They know they're going racing. They're very intelligent animals, and I think it's really important that they've got that routine. Now, do you have a winner for us over the next few days, Angela? You've got about 30 runners, so <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we've got a nice maiden in Geelong tomorrow uh, called Just Vic. Trolled very, very fast there Just last week. Vic. There's no use keeping it a secret because I think everybody no. knows anyway. Uh, trolled 25.49 there, and he's in a maiden heat. So hopefully he's got box two. Uh, I know Karen Pitts won trolled against him, and he wasn't far behind. He goes pretty good as well. But, uh, yeah, Just Vic. In the maiden. What about in? Should go well. What about in the heats of the laurels? Who's the pick of yours? See, they're, they're great heats, aren't they? And mm. uh, probably we haven't drawn very well with a lot of the girls, unfortunately. Look, obviously the fastest one we've got in is Osprey Athena, but she's drawn a ripper of a heat. They've got uh, Brooks Girl Insider with Responder, and I think uh, the good girl of Gibbons is is uh, in the outside of her. The real good girl Kelsey Bale. Yep. So I'm just going off the top of my head. But Kelsey Bales, so she's drawn a ripper of a heat. But look, she's a very fast girl. You know, she's run 29.24 as a maiden, and, and she is as good as that. She, you know, run homes are exceptional. But she's been off with a few niggly little injuries, and, and hopefully we'll get a bit of consistent racing with her. But, yeah, we're only hoping. Uh, there's a, one of George's girls. I think she goes pretty good over Blazer. But, again, she's drawn out wide, so you just got to hope she begins well and can lead. And if uh, the favourites strike a bit of bad luck on Saturday night in the Silver Chief, can Scofflaw run over the top? Oh, it'd be nice to think so. He's run last week with Super, but see what a great field it is, and, and a lot of them have got pace, so you really, you're only hoping for luck around mm. that first corner. Yeah. I think he, you know, he can definitely run a bit of time, and he probably can run good enough to win it if, if he can lead, but, you know, it just depends. You've got two very fast dogs that have run in the 2940s on Saturday night, and you know, he's not in that class of dog, definitely, but he's a very fast dog himself on his day, and he just needs a little bit of luck, but it's probably, you know, from the middle box, it's probably asking a little bit much, but I just hope he can get a clear run around the first corner. If he could be in the first three, at least, you know, he may be running for a place, hopefully. Angela, if at the moment I said to you, I've got a truckload of money, and I'm going to go and buy one of the current Greyhounds racing in Victoria for you to train, which one would you like? Yeah, that's a hard one. Probably, um, oh, well, let's say the uh, young dog that's in um, the Silver Chief. He looks like he's pretty smart, doesn't Rejuvenate? he? Rejuvenate? lost the race yet. Yeah. Rejuvenate? Rejuvenate, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, gee, he's a fast dog, mm. so I guess if I, if I, yeah, he's probably the one that comes to mind, thinking of just young dogs coming through. Mm. Well, we really appreciate your time today. It's been fantastic to have a chat, and we may even do it again down the track another time, because there's a whole lot more I reckon we could talk about. That's for sure. No, I don't mind talking about things I know about. <laughs> is one of them, so. well, I feel like my mum, it's hard to get me off the phone <laughs> and start talking greyhounds. Well, that's different to us. We talk about stuff, we get no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at talking about things I don't know about. <laughs> nah. Good on you, Angela. sensational, Angela. We appreciate your time. Good luck over the next couple of days. Yeah, thanks very much, guys, and all the best.